Welcome to the Flourishing Communities Podcast, where we talk honestly about the beauties and the struggles of forming real community. Not the kind of community where you're loved only in the form of a heart button on TikTok or Instagram. Is Does TikTok have hearts? <laughs> I don't know. Not the hearts, but real community where you're loved... <laughs> Even if you still use the laughing, crying emoji. What? I use that. Is that bad? And even more, the kind of community that loves you by telling you to stop using that. Wait, we're not allowed to use the laughing, crying emoji anymore? Um, Gen Z has canceled this emoji. It got canceled? What did he do? (laughs) What what, what kind of tweets? Some tweets from his high school era came out? I think it's basically just lame. Oh. I'm not actually Gen Z, so I feel like I want our listeners to tell us about this. So hop on over to Instagram at Communities and tell Andy about this memo. Because I got the memo in the form of basically reading people's tweets and arguments over it. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I have a list of people to confront. That I, I use that all the time. That's my go-to emoji because I when I don't know, right. that's like my go-to emoji. I feel like you just did the equivalent of taking out a piece of paper and a pencil. I, I, I literally, yeah. You know. All right. Well, in today's episode, we are going to talk about selfless love. But first, what is selfless love? I mean, it's a little self-explanatory, perhaps. But let's talk about what we mean by selfless love, particularly in the context of wanting to see our communities flourish. So, Andy, give me some examples of selfless or even the opposite, selfish love, using your favorite language, the metaphor of food. All right. Well, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of selfless love, I think about my grandma's applesauce. And... You know, when you're a little kid, you like applesauce, you know, and you go to the store, you buy it, and you would be a wonderful, loving parent if you bought your kid applesauce, you know, maybe even organic applesauce. But my grandma, she would make handmade applesauce. Now, it would be an amazing thing if you, like, blended it in a blender or did that. She would make me homemade applesauce with her hands and just a spoon. She would scrape the apples into little chunks and then... I was totally imagining you were about to say she would crush it in her hands. <laughs> no, I bet she, she lived through applesauce. some crazy stuff in her life. I wouldn't be surprised. But she would take a spoon, kind of scrape it down, and then and then I would... Just I would sit in my little high chair. I still remember this, and just open my mouth, and she'd stick <laughs> stick me with like a, a spoonful of home spoon made applesauce. And then I come home from school, and then I'd see a cup of applesauce. So that means while I was at school, she would and then like just have a cup for me ready to go. And so my grandma loved the crap out of me so much, and honestly. I blame her for for my weight problems. I feel like there's so much to unpack in that 
uh, story, and because people are listening, they unfortunately missed out on Andy's video where he is actually reenacting being fed by his <laughs> harmony. Um, but we could figure out if we can pull that video and show it to everyone. Um, but tell me what, what about that reflects selfless love to you? Well, I, you know, it's just crazy how much my grandma, like, loved me and it was like it's all in the very uh, she passed away when i was i i might have been like in second or third grade but just the way that she cared for me she helped raise me and uh we could barely communicate because she spoke she only spoke korean and a little japanese i could barely get by in korean but um i have all these fond memories of spending time with her usually around food but sometimes it would be you know no, I would just dance for her and make her laugh. I remember that. Um, <laughs> but uh, the way that she cared for me and the way that really it was like she, I almost feel guilty how much she just devoted herself to me. And um, now that I'm a parent and uh, I see my parents doing that to my son, I totally get mm. it. I understand it. And it's uh, an incredible, a, grand, a grandparent's love for their grandkid. Uh, is so uh, it's so palpable. So that was a long time ago, actually. But these memories and these moments that you shared with her feel so salient still in your memory. Like as you're describing them, it was as if it was just a few years ago that she was feeding you applesauce. Um, but I love that you remember these. Um, yeah, that you have these vivid demonstrations of her love for you, even with language barriers, even maybe with some distance, physical distance barriers. Um, but it was just so clear that she loved you well. I would say that selfless love, this is not as deep and beautiful as yours, but I would say that selfless love is saving the last piece of chocolate. Me putting that last piece on your plate. Knowing that everybody hates arguing over the last piece, also knowing that you really want the last piece. Yes. Selfless yes. love is me just giving it to you. Selfless love is going to Chick-fil-A, getting waffle fries, knowing that your friends are going to eat them and being okay with that, even though I have a very specific fry to sandwich ratio that I like, where I like to have fries before the sandwich, during the sandwich, and after the sandwich. And if people take my fries, it ruins my ratio and ruins the experience. But selfless love means I'm willing to adjust my fry to sandwich ratio so that people who don't get fries and they can't finish a whole fry, but they just want to try one, can have it. Okay, so uh, that was like a silly version of processing what selfless love is, but maybe we could say from all the examples that we've listed, especially this beautiful story of you and your harmony, selfless love is loving through words, but also through actions in a way that costs us something. So it's loving in a way that prioritizes the recipient rather than us as the giver be it the recipient's needs and desires rather than our ability or capacity. That, that's right. Beautiful. Yeah. I think that's a really helpful distinction. Other centered love versus self-centered love. And I feel like you're starting to get at this, Andy, but I wonder if you could help us make some connections to talk about how love is viewed in our culture or how love is practiced in our culture. Because on one hand, we shouldn't really need to 
um, have an adjective or a descriptor before the word love. Like, really, love should probably encapsulate selflessness, but it seems so easy to really be showing love with caveats. Well, no, no, literally, literally, what the song (laughs) says, what is love, question, baby, don't hurt me, don't hurt me no more. Like that's not love. Oh, that according to that song, love means baby, don't hurt me, don't hurt me no more. And I'm like, no, that's not love. Love isn't about you not getting hurt. And you know, even the dictionary. So you know, love, a noun, an intense feeling of deep affection, a great interest and pleasure in something. Like we share a love of music. I don't think. The way that the Bible or the way Jesus talks about love is those things, a feeling of deep affection, great interest or pleasure in something, because that is all about yourself. It's about um, your pleasure, your affection, your emotions. It prioritizes you. In the New Testament, where the Greek word agape connotes this unconditional, selfless love that's connected to the divine, uh, laying down the life, you're laying down your life for your friends sacrificing yourself and your needs uh that is so much more deeper and richer than this idea of infatuation or affection right right yeah and i think one thing that you're getting at is the difference between love love as a noun and love as a verb as we see modeled in scripture and you referenced the passage that's part of the small group guide for this week, 1 John three sixteen to 24, where it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And then in verse 18, it says, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. As followers of Jesus, we are supposed to love with our actions and with our words and speeches, because this is how Jesus showed his love for us. Like, sacrificial love, selfless love, to the point of giving his own life. And if I'm honest, that's a pretty high bar for love. (laughs) Like, we do settle for love through nice texts, love through feeding each other, which is still a beautiful demonstration of love, But it's still very much like I will love in a way that fits into my convenience and I can love in a way that's on my terms. So it's almost like I set the boundaries of how I love and actually who I love. It's a lot easier to love people who I like than to love people that I don't like and to love Mm -hmm. generously and even sacrificially. Um, But what Jesus models for us and what scripture gets at is like it blows through those boundaries it's like push out those boundaries push out that limited definition of what it means to love it's not just about interest it's not just about passion it's about modeling god's love that we have experienced and received with others so it's only because we've received this love from jesus that we show this kind of love to other people and i think part of why we're honing in on this topic is that it's so easy for love to be sentimental and cliche and to forget that 
in the Christian tradition and really in many other religious traditions and philosophical traditions, love is a revolutionary divine force. It's something that, mm-hmm. and I think for Christians in particular, we believe it's at the very heart of who God is and his character and in the person of Jesus. And so love is not a waste of time and it's not pie in the sky, but it's a very concrete way of thinking about how we are called to orient ourselves in the world. And there's so many quotes that, you know, on love, but you know, one thing that Martin Luther King Jr. in his sermons and his preaching and teaching is that he believed that love was a revolutionary force. Uh, He believed that love could change the world literally One of the things that he said is, I have decided to stick with love, for I know that love is ultimately the only answer to mankind's problems. And I'm going to talk about it everywhere I go. I know it isn't popular to talk about it in some circles today. And I'm not talking about emotional bosh when I talk about love. I'm talking about Hmm. a strong, demanding love, for I have seen too much hate. Another writer, thinker, Cornel West, has famously said that you take love and you make it expressed in public, and then you get justice. And that justice is really love expressed in public. Wow. And so at the root of, of what we're what we're talking about here is the power of love. Uh, and that feels like a corny, cheesy mm. ballad, but it's the power <laughs> of love to animate our lives, to animate our communities. And then the question for us is, how the heck do we actually really love people the way God loved us? Yeah. And that's hard because even when I talk about my boundaries, sometimes it can feel like that's wisdom, right? Like, how do we truly love selflessly? I love that quote that you said, love expressed in public is justice. But how do we do that in a way that's not all consuming? I can empathize with students who are processing, what does it mean to love those around me selflessly? When I don't even feel like I have the mental, emotional, spiritual capacity sometimes to put on clothes, you know, like, (laughs) and then I'm, you're telling me to love someone else sacrificially or selflessly. Um, and how do we process this in light of truly in a healthy way, taking care of our minds, taking care of our bodies? Um, I know in myself, I can tend to love others at the expense of my own well-being. Um, and sometimes I feel pressure like, oh, that means that I'm loving sacrificially or I'm loving selflessly. But how do I love selflessly and hold on to, it's important to take care of my body. Some boundaries are wise. I might not have emotional capacity and that's okay. Yeah, well, and I, I've been uh, reading this book called Confucius for Christians, What an Ancient Chinese Worldview Can Teach Us About Life in Christ. The, the, the premise of this book is that just like we can read Aristotle or Plato or other philosophers, might there be wisdom in the Confucian philosophical tradition that can help us hmm. better understand biblical, uh, what it means to live out biblical faith. And uh, he has this line that I, I, I love to hear your thoughts. Um, and it's about love and what the Confucian worldview might teach us about loving the world that's different from a, a more Western individualistic culture. Mm-hmm. And he argues that what Confucius would say is you can't love the world unless you first love your family. And it has to start mm-hmm. in the specific family units. And so here's what he writes. He says, quote, uh, we're tempted to think that we can somehow manage to love the world 
without having learned to love well those whom have been given to us as family. Reflection on the Confucian emphasis on filial piety can function as a kind of corrective here. The Confucian would remind us that if we wish to love the world, we'll need to carefully attend to the root of love, the root of goodness. We'll need to continually work at wholeness in the basic familial relationships. In fact, for the Confucian, the better you love your family, the more capable and effective will be your love for those beyond your family. Wow. And so he says that Western culture, we say, oh, once you're 18, you need to move away from your family, reject your family, and then you learn to love generically others, your friends. And uh, what uh, this author, Greg Elshoff, would say is that from the Confucian tradition, it's like, Actually, you spend your whole life learning how to love your family, and that is actually the training ground that allows you to better love those outside. Yeah, I hear you. And it sounds like you are really stirred to love your actual family. Um, Jazzy Johnson would refer to that as your given family versus your gifted family. So with your your given family members, um, you feel this pull, this draw to actually love them well and to actually practice this selfless love with your family in particular. I feel like I'm processing on a slightly different direction or my takeaway is a little bit different. I'm thinking about what it means to love those in my immediate circle of influence in a way that I would love a family member. I lived far from my family for a long time, and I I wonder if students who are not living um, at home or live in close enough to campus where they could just commute, they might be far away from their families as well. So yes, there's an invitation to proactively love our family members, but also I'm thinking about what it means to proactively love those in our most close circle to practice true selfless love there. Not necessarily as a boundary, but as a starting point. Practice with those who are in your immediate circle, the closest, most consistent relationships that you see, and then what does it mean to expand that? Okay, but let's talk about what this actually means for the community that you and I share together. So we work on a team of about 11 people. What would it look like for us to show selfless love to each other, to our teammates this week? I think it's about learning to be fluent in many styles of love for different personalities, for different cultures, and not just loving people the way we want to be loved. And that's so hard. It's so hard to do because I love, if you want to love me, take me out to a delicious meal. And I think a lot (laughs) of people would feel loved by that, but not everyone does. And I know if that's my only muscle, if I'm a one-trick love pony mm. then <laughs> sorry that sounds so weird. weird but you know what i mean if, if you're just like a one trick <laughs> love you know if it's if all you do is one style of love um it's actually really selfish because you're just doing what you want other people to do for you but if i actually learn how to say i'm gonna love you by being on time like that one is the hardest one for me but i could say i care about you so much i'm not a punctual person but I'm going to show up on time and I'm going to be ready. And so I think it, it, it gets complicated, but that's important. All right, Andy, I think you just, I think you just landed on your proactive step for this week. 
Why? Why? You need to show love to our teammates by showing up on time to every meeting this week. (laughs) This is going to be your act of selfless love. And you know what? I have been on the receiving end of you being late. And sometimes it's hard. Um, It's hard because I know you're in another meeting just going over time. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. You're right. You're right. No. All right. Okay. You have a very practical well, thing. It, I need a very uh, practical thing to do. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Seriously. <laughs> Yours is easy, though. Well, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's like such a low bar to show up on time. Well, and to me, you know, I think that, I mean, we could have a whole conversation about cultural values, and we're in an organization that tends to have value more time oriented. But honestly, to me, for me personally, I'm saying this to me personally. It's a smokescreen when I say don't impose your Western time-oriented <laughs> culture on me because for me personally, it's a selfish way uh, of me just doing whatever the heck I yeah. want. So it is, it's important. We got to talk about culture and all the different complexities. But for me, I know this is a good exercise Yeah, I should do. Dang. Oh, man. You got a simple one for me. I feel like all my ideas are going to be specific to the different people that I work with. I mean, I don't know. Do you have a love? Uh, do you have kind of a one trick love, love pony? pony? <laughs> I don't want to have a one trick love pony. I mean, do you have a, like a dominant way that you show people love? I love cooking for people, and so probably giving people food is like one way I love to show love. That same energy you would put into cooking a meal for someone if I came over to your house. It's like, what would you do? What could? What else could you do? Yeah. To put that same effort into a different way of showing. Oh Lord, love. I think really, and maybe it means checking in with the people on my sub team in particular to ask how I can support them to meet their goals for the week. So, is it a co-working time? Is it giving them feedback on something that seems semi-practical? But I'll try it. Maybe next time we can invite one of our teammates on to. See if they actually notice that you were on time to everything um, or see how my offer to support them in their work impacted them. But either way, we're going to try to do it. We'll talk about it next time and debrief together. Well, and I, and I think just to reemphasize that being on time isn't a universal way of showing love, but it's one way. And maybe for both of us or for me. It is one way to learn. Right. One way uh, specific to our community, specific to seeking the flourishing of our teammates. And I know for some people in uh, my, our ministry, one way they could show love is to maybe let things go a little longer than exactly at the minute. And so part of, I think the beauty of like the way God wired us is to know that we all show love and receive love differently. And so it's important for our communities to be places that we're always growing that way so that we're, we're fluent in many love languages. That's so good. Thank you for this conversation, Andy. Thank you for processing with me what selfless love looks like, how it is a very practical expression, proactive, revolutionary force, as you quoted someone. Love expressed in public is justice. I love that quote from Cornel West as well. The only reason why we are able to conceive what it means to practice other-centered love is because that's the love that we've experienced in Jesus. 
So thanks so much for hanging out with us. If there were friends that you thought about during this episode, share it with them. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Instagram at iv.flourishingcommunities. Share with us how you want to practice selfless love. And even if you have your own one trick love pony that you default to when you show love, hop on over to Instagram and we can keep the conversation going. So in the show notes, you'll find a link to a short video by Reverend Steve Tamathill on selfless love. It is amazing and engaging. You can check that out along with the small group material for this week. All right, friends, Andy and I have committed to showing selfless love to our teammates this week. We want you to do the same. Come back next time to hear how it went. What other love songs are there? I believe in a thing called love.